the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Never, ever underestimate the huge impact that we could have on people in the everyday. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. Looking out for the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. I think we miss the fact that we're always asking for us, Lord, I need this, and I need this, and I need this. Instead of like, Lord, how can I serve you better? How can I be who you want me to be? And see, when we put others first, God makes all of our things happen. He blesses us. He blesses what we do. You know, we we put our finances before the Lord, and we just say, well, Lord, I'm just going to give, you know, everything's yours, and I'm just going to give to you freely with a whole heart. It's like, you, then you learn, like, I cannot give God because he keeps blessing you back because you keep giving to him freely. See, everything we do, when we put the Lord first, he always takes care of us. But when we're a little stingy and we're a little, mm, you know, it's going to be my way or the highway. It's just, it's all what I want. Me, 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 me. Then we find ourselves what? Always coveting something else. I, I never quite have enough. It's always about me, but I never have enough. It's always about me. I'm never satisfied. It's always about me. And it's like when we put the Lord first and we put his desires first, then the first thing we find out is, well, I'm so busy serving the Lord. I don't have time to think about me. And all of a sudden, I have more than what I need. See, we miss that, I think, as Christians. And we really need to think about what our priorities are before the Lord. So God gave Solomon way more than he asked for. Again, why? Because he asked for what was right in the first place. He put himself on the back burner. I want to do what's right. I wonder how much God desires to really bless you and me if we would only get our eyes off of ourselves and truly seek God's will. Remember, the Bible says, If anyone wishes to come after me, Jesus speaking, let him deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. Because what does a man profit if you were to gain the whole world, but yet forfeit or lose your own soul? So I wonder how much God really wants to, to bless us. For not only us, but those around us through us. But that was not the case with Solomon's son, Rehoboam. His grandfather, was the man after God's own heart. His dad, Solomon, was the wisest and richest man that had ever lived. And all the elder statesmen asked him to do, all they asked him to do was just serve the people. But that's not what Rehoboam did. The Bible says that he forsook the advice of the elders. 
And he listened to all of his friends that were his age. And they said to him, hey, forget those old goats. What are you going to listen to those old goats for? You're the king now. You rule these people with an iron fist. Oh, how many times people will forsake the counsel that God gives us in his word. And instead, they will listen to the media, social media, things that are around us, progressive Christianity. Listen to all those things. Why? Because they tickle our ears. They sound good. It all sounds good. They will listen to what our culture says is right and wrong instead of what God says is right and wrong. People will come up to me or one of the pastors here at Core Church, even those who are seasoned in the Word of God, and they will ask us what they should do in a certain situation, you know, and, you know, to the many questions and things that we face in life. And we'll give them biblical counsel, meaning we tell them what the Bible says. Yet sometimes that's not what they wanted to hear. And they forsake that counsel as they do whatever they actually wanted to do in the first place. It's kind of like, why did you even ask them? This isn't what you wanted to hear, so therefore you're not going to receive it. See, one thing that you can do as a Christian, if you ask enough people, you're going to eventually hear what you want to hear. So you go to a pastor. What do you think about this? They tell you what the Bible says. Eh, I don't want to. Eh, that's not what I want to do. Then you go to another pastor. You know, they tell you what the Bible says. Eh, that's not what I want to hear. Then you go to another pastor. He tells you what you want to hear because he wants you in his church and he wants you to sit in one of his seats and he wants you to put in his offering bag when it comes by. And it's like, so he tells you what you want to hear. And you're like, oh, I love this guy. You know, he just tells me what I want to hear. That's what the Bible says. The church will be so messed up in the last days. Why? Because people will gather for themselves teachers in accordance to what they want to hear. What tickles my ears? Tell me what I want. Why is one of the biggest churches, uh, Joel Osteen, he's like the biggest church in the United States when he barely teaches anything biblical. It's like, why is that? Because he's telling you what you want to hear. You're a champion. You're wonderful. You're great. And no matter what you do, God's going to bless you. And it's like, uh, well, hold on. Okay. Uh, Does God love everyone? Absolutely. Is God going to severely judge people that don't follow him? Absolutely. Is God going to bless you just because you're a Christian? Uh, maybe, maybe not, depending on how you're living. You can't just put this broad brush out there. You're a child of God. You're a champion. God's going to bless you. Everything's going to go. Listen, if you're a Christian and you're not living godly and you're living in sin, God's not going to bless you. People don't want to hear that. They would rather hear, tell me I'm good. Tell me I'm a champion. Tell me everything's going to be great. See, that's what people want to hear. So they gather for themselves, those who tickle their ears and tell them what they want to hear. But that's not what God says. So be careful. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 9, do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. The way of the fool is right in his eyes, okay? But a wise man, a wise woman is he who listens to counsel. What does the Bible say? So you have a situation. What does the Bible say? You have a situation in your home. What does the Bible say? You have a situation with your children. What does the Bible say? I remember, you know, raising my kids. Now, you might think I'm an ogre. You might think I'm the meanest man alive. But 
I would not allow my kids to do things that were wrong. When they were living under my roof, I would not allow them to do things that were wrong. We never charged our kids rent. We never charged them for food or anything like that. But we did want to start weaning them off of us because we wanted them to learn what? Responsibility. Were we doing it because we hated them? No, absolutely not. We did it because we loved them. Because that's why the Bible says if you don't discipline your children, you hate them. Well, we don't hate our children. We love them. So so we started disciplining them. So we just started saying like, look, okay, now you're 18 years old. You have to have a job. Okay. So they all work. My kids, but when they're 18 years old, they're working. Okay. You're, you're able body work. Okay. So we wanted them to start getting into a culture and society so they could supply their own needs and they wouldn't be dependent on us for the rest of their life. So uh, that's why we don't have kids that are 40 years old still living in our house. Okay. But anyway, so we sit there, okay, you have to work. So now at 18 years old, it's like, yes, we'll supply the toilet paper. (laughs) We'll supply the food in the refrigerator. You don't have to pay anything for rent. You don't have to pay any of the electric bill, but you do have to buy your own clothes now. You have to buy your own shoes. And I had girls, so, you know, my three older girls, you know, uh, and my son, of course. But the girls, you know, it's like you have to buy your own makeup. You have to buy your cleanser. Oh, Dad, I can only use Clinique for my face. It's like, you know, I think a bar of soap works good. No, no, no. I have to have the $35 bottle of Clinique, you know. And I'm like, okay, well, good. You go buy it yourself. So anyway, but uh, so, you know, they had to buy all their shampoo, all their, you know, underarm deodorant, you know, all the, you know, stuff that it took to keep their little pretty bodies all smelling pretty. They had to buy all of that stuff. And so we, we made them buy their toiletries and things, you know, just because, again, we wanted them to understand that there's responsibility in life. But but my one daughter says so she's going out the door and she's got this little cut thing on my mind. My wife's like, you're not going out of the house like that. I buy my own clothes now. I can do whatever I want. Well, hey, listen, when you move out of here and you have your own home, you know, then you're no longer under our rules because you're not under our roof. You can dress, I guess, however you feel it's okay with the Lord. But while you're under my house, it says in Joshua that as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord and you are not wearing that. So she had to go back in and change and then she left, you know. Now, granted, you know, she was 21. I mean, she could have put the top in her purse and then changed it again. Who knows? But at least under our watch, we were setting the rules again, not because we hated them, but because we loved them. And that's why we did that. You know, and so again, we have to be careful that we listen to counsel and parents. Like if we're not raising up our children in the way of the Lord, who else is going to? Like who else is going to make that stand? You think this culture cares about our kids? Do you think they care about anything? You have all these young people committing suicide now. You think anyone cares about them? But it's like as long as they're in our house, that's our opportunity to raise them in the way of the Lord. Getting back to our text, 2 Samuel chapter 10, Hanan, the king that his father had died and David sent to console him, he listened to the fools that surrounded him. And he takes David's men who came to console him and they shave their beards half off, tear their clothes half off. This was insulting to do this to these men. They exposed to them their utmost indignity. As they humiliated these men, they mocked them, and they violated their sense of honor. Now, by doing this to these men, 
They were really insulting King David. It was an act of war. Which brings up our point, the strength of the mighty. Let's read what happens next in 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 7. It says, now, when David heard of it, he sent Joab, this is the, his four-star general, he sent Joab and all the army and the mighty men. And the sons of Ammon came out and drew up in battle array at the entrance of the city. And while the Arameans of Zorba and of Rahab and the men of Tob and Maka were by themselves in the field, Now, when Joab saw that the battle was set against him in the front and in the back, in the rear, he selected from all the choice men of Israel and arrayed them against the Arameans. But the remainder of the people he placed in the hand of Abishi, his brother, and he arrayed them against the sons of Ammon. Now, Notice in verse 7 and also in verse 9, it says that the mighty and the chosen men of Israel went to battle. I'm sure there are a lot of others in that battle also. But who are these mighty and chosen men? Understand, these were the elite of the elite. They were like the army rangers. These were like the Navy SEALs but with one huge and unmistakable difference. These men were anointed by God as mighty warriors. Let's take a moment to see just how mighty these warriors were that we're talking about here. I'm going to read to you. I'm going to flip over. If you want to flip over to 1 Chronicles 11, you're more than able. I'll read it to you. But in 1 Chronicles 11, verse 10, it says this. Now these are the heads of the mighty men whom David had, who gave him strong support in his kingdom, together with all Israel, to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. So again, these are the men that God put together. These are the mighty men that came together to support David in his kingdom. Now, why were these mighty men brought together by the Lord? Because it was according to him. It was God that raised up David from a mere shepherd boy. And it was God that raised up and anointed these mighty men to support what he wanted to do in Israel. I wonder who God desires to raise up here in Los Angeles. To be the mighty men and women of God in our culture that we live in right now. I long to see Christians here in Los Angeles as missionaries of this great city that's lost its shine. Now, looking at just a few of these mighty men of God, it says in 1 Chronicles 11.11, Jashobim lifted up his spear. Just listen to what some of these guys were able to do. Jashobim lifted up his spear and he killed 300 men at once all alone. Wow, this guy's a bad dude. I mean, you just put him in a mix and he just, you know, slices and dices and makes Julian fries out of these enemies of his, okay? He's just a machine, this guy is. It says in verse 12 and 13, it says that Eleazar, the son of Dodo, he defended a barley field with his life. Like someone said, hey, 
you need to defend this barley field. And he's like, I got it. I mean, this guy took it serious and he defended it with his life. And it says that God gave him a great victory over the Philistines because this guy says, my post and my duty, I am called by God to defend this barley field. And he takes out an army of Philistines. This guy is a beast. You know, maybe the only reason he did it was simply because he was asked to do it and he took his job serious. Could you imagine what could happen in the city of Los Angeles here on the west side if we did the same thing, if we took serious our calling of God as men and women of God, if we simply obeyed what God told us to do, sharing our faith with those that are around us, inviting and bringing people to church so that they could grow in a relationship with God. Never, ever ever underestimate the huge impact that we could have on people in the everyday. We need to invite. If you say, well, I would invite people, but no one will come. You know, it's like, why waste my time? It's like, well, guess what? Then no one's going to come. But if you just say, you know what? I'm going to invite people anyway. And maybe, you know, nine out of 10 will say no, but there's one out of 10 that might say yes. Well, yeah, you know what? My life's all messed up, and I don't know what to do. I mean, our world's falling apart. I mean, look what's happening politically in our country. It's like, man, do you, I mean, do you know how many people, friends of mine, are texting me all the time? What should we do? What's going on here? You know, what's going to happen with this vaccine? Should we take it? Is it, is it the mark of the beast? It's like, I, I mean, people are like texting me all the time. Pastor, what do you think? Is it the mark of the beast? No, it's not the mark of the beast. We've had other vaccines. But I will tell you, it's probably helping wear us down to take this and then take that and get a tracer and all of these things so that when the mark of the beast comes, we're just used to taking it, okay? So it's all in line of things that are coming. So there's all kinds of things that happen. People in general are a little freaked out. I mean, you know, you see the images of our cities burning down. Doesn't that rock you a little bit? When you see the capital that's overrun by people, does that rock you a little bit? I mean, when you see all of these things about, you know, our, is our voting, is it rigged, is it not rigged? And there's all this evidence that maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. It's like, doesn't it rock you a little bit? I mean, there's so much corruption. There's so much hypocrisy. All the looting, all the burning, all peaceful protests. Don't you think that just a few people are just looking around like, What in stinking going on in the world today? A lot of people are. They're freaked out about it. This is where a good voice and a solid voice of wisdom and and, and someone being able to say, hey, you know what? There's a God in heaven that loves us. And there is something more that's here in this life than this life. There's a life to come. And there's a peace. And there's a God that can give us peace. Yes, all that's out there. Yes, God would just have us to serve him so we could tell people that they could have a relationship with God. Never underestimate ever the huge impact that just one person could have if they chose to be used by God. Verse 17 and verse 19, this is in 1 Chronicles 11, says that David was craving a drink from the well of Bethlehem And it says that uh, the Philistines were all around them and camped around them. And three men went to go get him this water and they brought it back to him. And he's like, what did you do? Well, you said you wanted a a drink from the well in Bethlehem. So we went and got it for you. It's like, what? You risked your life? Oh my God. Oh my God. I couldn't imagine if you guys would have died getting me this. So he just, he, he looked at that water 
as such a blessing. He goes, I can't drink this. And he poured it out on the ground as an offering to the Lord because men risked their lives for him. Verse 20 says that Abishi swung his spear and also killed 300 men by himself. This guy was like, touche. You know, it's like, oh my goodness. You know, these are some of the things that I want to see when I get to heaven. Hey, can I see a video clip of that? This Abishi guy just taking out 300 men. Oh man, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. I mean, I don't know what, it's just like amazing here. Crazy. Verse 22 and 23 says, Benaniah jumped down into a pit and killed a lion with his bare hands. Wow. Okay. That's a beast. Then he turned around and killed a seven and a half foot tall Egyptian. That guy was like, I'm feeling it, man. You don't mess with me. Don't mess with me. Okay. It's like, but these men were anointed by God. They were not just regular men. You put these guys in the octagon with Conor McGregor. I'm sorry. He's going out. Okay, doesn't matter. He's going out. You take Mike Tyson in his prime. You put one of these guys in a boxing ring. He's going to knock him out of a whole stadium. Okay, these guys were anointed by God. This is just a few of the deeds that these mighty men did. The list goes on and on. And then if we look at chapter 12 of 1 Chronicles, verse 2, it says, they could fight with both right and left hands. So they were both hands they could fight. See, most people, you know, you have your strong hand. Most people are right-handed. Some people are left. You know, every other one of my kids is left-handed, by the way. I don't know how that happened. My oldest daughter's right-handed. My next daughter down is left-handed. My next daughter down is right-handed. And my son is left-handed. So, I mean, it's like, how did that happen, you know? But somehow it happened. But these guys could fight just equally with the right and the left hand. Verse 8 says of uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, their faces were like the faces of lions, and they were as swift as gazelles. So that means they're just like something came on them. Like I can see them just being like regular guys, and then it's like, oh, you know, you want to mess with me? I mean, it's like they're, they're like a flip They have a switch inside, and it's like their faces become like a face of a lion, and they started moving around. You couldn't catch them. How did this army come together? Well, they were told in verse 22, they all came together day by day. Just God would add to to the number of them day by day until their army was a great army. It was the army of God. And who did God raise up? Well, some of these were from 1 Samuel 22. You remember those guys? Remember when David was on the run? And it says that those that were in distress, those that were in debt, and those that were discontented with life, they came to David. That's where some of these men came from. They had been following them ever since he was hiding out in the desert. I wonder how many of us could fit that criteria. God could do so much more in our lives than what we could ever do ourselves. And what did these men all have in common once they started following David? It says in 1 Chronicles 12.33 and 12.38, it says that they had an undivided and perfect heart towards the Lord. It was undivided. They were willing to say, God, whatever you want me to do, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. They were undivided. They were like Isaiah as he laid on the ground in Isaiah 6. And God said, who am I going to send? I'm looking to send someone. Who's it going to be? And Isaiah said, well, here I am. Send me. They were undivided. I mean, what could God do in your life? 
what can you do in my life? If we're just completely undivided and just like, God, I want to make a difference in these last days that I'm living in. Yes, what could God do if we were undivided and completely focused on what God desires us to do in this dark world that we live in? Know this, Christian, God could do more with 50 of us if we were undivided like David's men had an undivided heart than he could do with 5,000 anemic Christians that are asleep at the will. I just, you know, whatever, go to church occasionally and do whatever. It doesn't have to be a great number. It can be a smaller number. But if we were totally sold out to the Lord, people that are seeking not their plans, but God's plan. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.